Well, thank you very much for your very warm welcome and happy Easter to everybody. Great to see you all. As Ron said, my name is John and I'm part of the leadership team here at King's. I lead our site that meets up in Hazemere. We'll be starting to meet in about 20 minutes' time um, and I'll be dashing up there after this to speak there. I just want to say again, Ron's already said it, but thank you so much for being here and um, particularly if you're a visitor, whether you're, you, know, you wouldn't normally be at King's and you're visiting us in that sense or you just wouldn't normally be at church on a Sunday morning. It, we really, really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you so much. Um, and I trust you'll enjoy your morning with us as we celebrate Easter together. Um, I've got to say, Easter has proved to be a little bit of a problem for me this year because I'm on a, I've been on a, a sugar-free diet, and Easter is not the time for that because, as you know, there are lots of very wonderful chocolatey treats all around, particularly in my house. So uh, I've had to work hard to resist. Actually, I feel quite good for it, though, I've got to say, um, although some of the things that I've eaten... Uh, those of you who know me well, you would, not, you, you would be amazed. I mean, there have been words spoken in our house that have never been heard or uttered before. For example, uh, John, have you used up all the kale? <laughs> I didn't even know what kale was before. Or, John, can I have some of your leftover quinoa? <laughs> yeah, I've been eating kale and quinoa. I've, I've had a go at a bit of exercise. That's been less successful. Um, <laughs> So right early on, I thought I'd try one of those Joe Wicks DVD things, those workouts, and uh, it was when I nearly passed out um, <laughs> after the warm-up. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. My wife was laughing at me, which I thought was, was harsh. But, uh, and then a couple of weeks ago, I played football. I thought I'll give a bit of football a go, and I pulled a muscle in my thigh down here in the warm-up as well and uh, foolishly continued. But that's, so the exercise hasn't been quite so successful, but certainly in terms of what I'm eating, there's been a big change in my life. Um, but I'm not here, of course, to preach to you about the merits of cutting sugar out of your diet, although it is really good. But what I am here to talk to you about is the thing that really has changed my life from, the moment when I was, from a moment in time when I was 17 years old, the thing that has utterly and permanently changed my life and the lives of many people here, and that is the fact that Jesus Christ didn't stay dead. Now, obviously, I'm coming here from the perspective that that is just an undeniable fact, that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, for some of you here, and for those who wouldn't claim to have a Christian faith, that might be a bit of a leap. It's quite a claim to make, isn't it? But that's why we're doing that Big Objections morning in a couple of weeks' time. So do come along to that. And we, you know, we want to show, actually, there are very, very good reasons, apart from just because the Bible says it. There are very good reasons for believing that the resurrection of Jesus is historical fact. But today, coming from that premise that it is a historical fact, the next question might be, well, so what? That was 2,000 years ago. Remarkable as it is, if it happened, 2,000 years ago. What difference does that make to me and my life today? Of what benefit is the resurrection of Jesus to me? And that's really the question that I want to address today. And what I want to show you today is that the resurrection of Jesus is infinitely important to your life and it's infinite, of infinite and eternal benefit to you if you accept it for yourself. And what I'm going to do at the end of the talk today is offer you the opportunity to receive that for yourself, to respond to God. Because I think it would be very strange for me to stand here and tell you about something that is just so good and then not tell you how you can get hold of it for yourself. So there will be the opportunity to respond, if you want to, 
please understand, it's not about putting pressure on at all if you want to. It's an invitation, very much an invitation. The response will involve just indicating that you want to respond to God. It will involve praying a prayer with me and then following up with a member of our prayer team for those who would like to do that. So that's coming at the end of the talk. So, the resurrection of Jesus. So what? You know, what difference does it make? Well, the Apostle Paul, um, who in himself was an incredible example of a transformed life, a life completely transformed through encountering Jesus, because he went from being a vicious uh, persecutor and hater of the church, the early church and Christians, to, uh, to being an incredibly successful evangelist and church planter all over the world. Now, he had a couple of things to say about the resurrection. He said this, if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. What Paul is saying is this. This is the key issue. Everything hinges on this. Everything hinges on the resurrection. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, well then we're all idiots those of us who believe he was, and those of us who spend our lives trying to follow him, we're all wasting our time, is what Paul is saying, if there was no resurrection. But if Jesus was raised from the dead, as Paul asserts that he was, then really, to quote the line we've had up there, that really does change everything for everyone, not just for some, for everyone. Because it validates everything that Jesus said about himself. Because if a man says he is going to die... And then three days later, he will be raised back to life. And that's what happens. And that's someone you listen to, isn't it? That kind of validates what he's saying. That's, that's somebody you, you have a high degree of trust in. So everything that Jesus said about himself is true. It means that he was who he said he was. That this really was God made flesh. God himself coming among us. Emmanuel, God with us, is what we celebrate every Christmas. It means that he really did come to pay the price that we should have paid, the price for our own sin, for our own rebellion and turning our backs on God and doing things our own way and making a mighty mess of the world. He came to pay that price in the most horrific of ways, the most agonising of ways, and came to offer the chance to us to be rescued from ourselves, to be rescued from the mess in the world, to be redeemed and to be restored to the kind of life that we were originally created for that we're all looking for, we're all searching for that sense of fulfilment. And he comes and offers that chance to everybody. Everybody. Now that means that actually your view of and your response to Jesus and the resurrection is vitally important. You cannot just dismiss this as irrelevant for my life or unimportant. You just can't fob it off like that. It's vitally important because in your response to this, you are either accepting him and his offer or you're rejecting him and his offer. There really is no middle ground. As C.S. Lewis famously said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance and if true, is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. And what Paul is saying here is that the litmus test of that the litmus test of whether this is of no importance and therefore we're all wasting our time or it's of infinite importance and we really have discovered the secret to life and it's of infinite importance to everybody, the litmus test of that is the resurrection. It all hinges on the resurrection. So this is a really big deal and what we believe about it and how we respond to it is a really big deal, whoever you are. 
So you can't just dismiss it as unimportant. But it still leaves the question, how does this thing that happened 2,000 years ago, how does that benefit you and how does it benefit me? Well, there are lots of ways, actually, but I'm going to focus in on three today, and that's purpose, power, and place. They all begin with P, which is very clever. Purpose, power, and place. So the first is purpose, knowing the resurrected Jesus. And by the way, I'm talking today about knowing a person, not knowing a historical fact. It's knowing him. It's about a relationship. Knowing the resurrected Jesus gives you a great purpose for your life. It's probably the question that everybody asks themselves at some point in their life, or at several points in their lives. Why am I here? Why am I here? What is this life really all about? What is, what's my purpose in life? What am I doing? What, why am I here? Maybe you're at that point in your life at the moment. You know, maybe you're experiencing a sense of feeling unfulfilled or a sense of emptiness, or even despair. Or maybe it's just that you've ended up in a place that you never intended to be. How has my life come to this? How did I get here? Or you're just thinking, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to life than this. Everyone experiences those feelings. Every human experiences those feelings, because we all have longings built into us, deep within us. It's part of being human. Actually, it's part of being a created human, not just a random accident. We all have deep longings within us. We all long for meaning in life. We look for the meaning in things, which is not the behaviour of a random accident, to look for meaning in things. We all look for meaning. We all long for love. We're born like that, with a deep need to be loved, to be accepted, to be nurtured, to fit in, and that really continues through our whole life. And we all long for purpose. And we think back to when you were a child, I don't know, say you were five years old. I wonder, what did you want to be when you grew up? Doctor? Fireman? Astronaut? I wanted to be a pole vaulter. I don't know why. Just it's a bit of a niche area. And um, sadly, it's a dream that was never realised. Um, or even attempted. Uh, and I'm now also starting to come to terms with the fact that I may never play up front for Arsenal either. Um, so it's just dreams are being crushed here. But just ask yourself this. Why on earth were you dreaming about having any kind of job or profession at all? You didn't need a job at that age. You didn't have bills to pay. Just to write your name was an achievement. So why were you thinking? Why would you even think about what you wanted to do when you grew up? Well, it's because of that longing that's within all of us. It's built in. It's in our blueprint. A longing for purpose, for significance, a longing to accomplish something in this world. So we have a longing for purpose, but we're not very good at finding our purpose because purpose isn't the same thing as success. You know, you can be very successful, you can be very wealthy, have a, a, a great job and a great place to live and a, uh, a great family and uh, great places to go on holiday. All the things that this world would say is the good life, the things that you're supposed to, to pursue because that's going to make you happy. But actually, you can have all of that and still feel like you're pretty much adrift, not knowing what your purpose is, still feeling unfulfilled. Or sometimes people say, look within to find your purpose in life. Look within yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look within, it's a bit of a mess. It's not a pretty sight. I see a lot of darkness and uh, self-centeredness and hypocrisy. Look within myself to find my purpose. You are kidding. That's, gonna, that's just going to be a disaster. No, 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 the the bottom line is this. You you can't tell yourself what your purpose is. 
because you didn't create you. You know, I could, I could hold up a, a, a mysterious mechanical object and, and say, you know, what's the purpose of it? And you could have a guess, but you will only know for certain when you ask the inventor, you ask the creator, or you consult the owner's manual. You know, this is the significance of what the children were just singing to us. I am remarkably made. Do you realise the significance that places on you of being made, of being designed for a purpose? It puts such significance and such purpose on you. It means you're not an accident. Yeah, your parents may not have planned to have you, but God did. He did. He knew about you from before the foundation of the world. He planned to have you. You're alive because he wanted you alive, because he loves you, and because he has a purpose for you. You can try and make up a purpose for yourself, but it's not going to be the one that you were created for, because only the creator can tell you that. So what does the creator say? There's lots of Bible verses I could go to, but have a look at this one. It says, uh, Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. But for him, who died for them and was raised again. You see, the death and resurrection of Jesus is what gives me my purpose in life, and it's to live not for myself anymore. Not for my own selfish needs and my own selfish ends anymore, even though sometimes I still try. It's to not live for myself, but to live for him. And why would I want to do anything else anyway? When he has demonstrated how trustworthy he is, when he's demonstrated how much he loves me in the most amazing way, by coming and dying on a cross in the most agonizing way for me and for you. The significance that that puts on you and that puts on me is unbelievable. That he would be prepared, God would be prepared to do that for you. My purpose in life, my meaning in life, is only found in him and in following him, in living the life that he wants me to live. And by the way, that applies whether life is going really well or life is going really badly. Or whether I'm feeling particularly happy and elated or I'm feeling particularly sad and depressed. Or whether I'm feeling completely in control of things in my life or I'm feeling utterly overwhelmed in my life. In all circumstances, I am confident that there is a purpose, there is a plan. God is in control. The problem is not that we have these longings for meaning and love and purpose and significance. Those are God-given longings. The problem is that we seek to fulfill them without God. I wonder, where do you go to try to satisfy those God-given longings? Where do you seek your fulfillment in life? You were made for significance, and you know it. You were made for purpose, and you know it. But that purpose is not found in what this world calls the good life, all those things that we're supposed to chase after. Actually, no, that, that just leads in the end to feelings of futility and unfulfilled longings. No, it's only found in Jesus. Everything finds its purpose in him. Everything. I am confident of my purpose because I am confident in Jesus, because he's demonstrated his love for me, and he rose again just like he said he would. This is someone I can have great confidence in. This is someone I can put all of my trust in. And having confidence in your purpose, I tell you what, it brings a massive sense of freedom and a massive sense of peace to your life. Are you, are you longing for peace? Do you, are you, do you feel your life is without peace? It can only be found in, in God. It can only be found in Jesus. So the resurrection of Jesus gives you purpose for your life. The second thing it gives you is great power. Great power for your life and for your problems that you have in life. Here are a couple of things the Bible says about the resurrection power of God. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. 
and he will raise us also. Really, it's saying because he raised Jesus from the dead, we can know he will also raise us. And Romans 8 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you are in Christ, his resurrection power lives in you, in the now, in the present, not just a future thing, not just a thing when you, when you die. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. I wonder, do you have anything in your life that feels like it's dying? And it, and it needs God's power to bring it back to life. Maybe for some of you, you're in a, a marriage that just feels like it's dying. It just feels like it's beyond repair. And you need the resurrection power of God in that situation. Or maybe it's a career, a work life. It's just dying. You're stuck. You're stuck in a job that you hate and you just can't see any way out. It just feels a bit hopeless. Or maybe it's just your energy, your motivation feels like it's dying. Or dreams that you once had are dying. Or your family or friendships, there's just something wrong in there. Maybe it's just a general sense of feeling like you've lost hope. I'm going to show you someone's story now that I think demonstrates the resurrection power of God in a really beautiful way. So this is Andy's story. I grew up in a Christian family. I was one of four siblings, and I had good, good, a good Christian upbringing. It was around about the age of 16 that I started to look around and think, there's, just, there's got to be more to life than this. I just, I just felt that I wanted more excitement from life than, than I was getting. There were certain friends that I had in friendship groups who who seemed to be having a lot of this excitement in their lives. When I started hanging around with them, it all started in a rather mild sense of fun. We were doing things like drinking and, and smoking. Then from there, it, it went very quickly downhill, indeed. And it moved on to drug taking at the weekends. And actually, I started to far exceed what I had done before. And I very quickly realized that actually, when the people that you're hanging around with who you considered a little bit crazy start looking to you as being the crazy one that you realize you're, you're in quite a lot of trouble. I wanted to, to take drugs all the time. With that, that led to getting involved in crime as well. And then from there, it, it just got even worse. Um, and I didn't think it could get worse from that point, but. It's amazing how far you can plummet in such a very short space of time. I just felt too ashamed to ask for any help. And at times I just thought, I just don't want any help anymore. I just felt that the brakes had come off and I was just gonna let this train run its course. I remember the time when I was sat on my own and there were thoughts in my head that I'd hurt so many people so badly people that really I, I truly cared about, that I wondered if it would be better if I should take my own life. And that was when I realized that I just had to change. Things had to change and they had to change straight away. So it was about that time that I cried out to the Lord and said, look, Lord, something's got to change. I really need help. 
And a friend of mine who was in a very similar situation as me started to get help and it was working as well. And I realized through that help that you know, there was hope for me as well. And that was a great comfort to me. And I started to take that path as well. I took the same path as he did and started to get some help from a very kind group of Christians who specialized in this, this type of rehabilitation really. So I did that for around about two and a half years. And it was, a, it was through that period that my life really started to change. It was during that time that I encountered God in many different ways. And he gave me freedom in areas of my life that I'd struggled with over the years that I'd never experienced before. And it was through that that I felt huge weight pressure had been lifted off my shoulders and it started to help me live a lot more freely than I'd ever done before. So my life now is, is completely different from what it used to be. The relationships that God has restored in my life that seemed irreparable before have been. I have a wife and children and just the blessings that I experience are, are all down to God. And what I thought that I'd completely destroyed in my life, it actually turned out it wasn't destroyed at all. And the Lord has restored it to me. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not the finished article. Just ask my wife. But it's a process, it's a journey, but it's a, it's a journey that I'm enjoying a lot more than I, than I did previously, that's for sure. It's a good story. So we've just appointed Andy as our youth pastor. Um, you know, that is... To quote a line from the spoken word we started the meeting with, that's a story that's been rewritten. That is a life that's been resurrected. That is the resurrection power of God at work in someone's life. Now, if you're here this morning and you're feeling desperate in some way, in some area of your life, maybe even in your whole life, you know what? I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. And I absolutely believe that it's no accident that you're here either that God has designed it. He's designed it that you would be here on this day to hear this. And I believe God would say to you, whatever you are thinking, whatever you think you're doing, don't. And don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your life. Because there really is hope. There really is hope. There really is resurrection power. But you've got to be plugged into it. Just like a toaster, if it's not plugged in, it's not going to do anything. It can't do anything if it's not actually plugged into the power. You've got to be plugged in to that power to benefit from it. You've got to invite him in to have that resurrection power in your life. So resurrection, it brings purpose, it brings power. And it also means that God has a great place for me when I die. Because death is not the end. It's the end of your body as it is now, but... It's not the end of you. And you know what? I think we all know that. Whether you have a faith in God or not, I think we all get this. The way we speak about people who have died, that they're looking down on you, that kind of thing. I think we will understand that actually we were designed for eternity. The real question is whether that's an eternity spent with God 
in his love, in his presence, in his grace, with your creator forever, or an eternity without God where human self-centeredness and evil has free reign. And that's the definition of hell, by the way. Here's something that Jesus said about eternal life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's a big claim. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What Jesus is saying here is that eternal life with God comes through believing in him. It doesn't come through being a good person, being a moral person, behaving well in your life. It only comes through believing in and trusting in Jesus. And Jesus has a fair bit of credibility in saying this, by the way. What he's effectively saying is, I will raise you from the dead. Big thing to say, but he has credibility in it. Why? Because that's what happened to him. He himself was raised from the dead. It's the most attested to miracle in history, as we'll see in just a couple of weeks. So we can believe Jesus when he says this. We can, we can trust him on this. The resurrection of Jesus means that we will be raised to life. It means that death is not the end. But then what is this place in eternity with God like? Well, it's difficult to... <laughs> It's difficult to sum up. The Bible has a lot to say about it. It talks about this glorious inheritance that is waiting for us. It says that God has prepared a place for us, and it will be a place with no more sickness, no more suffering, no more tears, overflowing joy, complete happiness, complete fulfillment. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. What that means is that actually eternity with Jesus is beyond anything we can imagine. It's better than anything we can possibly imagine. Now, maybe the cynical part of us says at this point, well, you know, it's just too good to be true. That just sounds too good to be true. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Listen, this wasn't free. It's free to us. It certainly wasn't free to him. He paid a horrific price to offer this to us. But it is too good. But it is true. And I have confidence in that truth because I have confidence in Jesus because of the resurrection. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then life is futile. Ultimately, it's meaningless. We're all wasting our time. But Jesus was indeed raised from the dead, which means that he is someone worth listening to and putting your trust in, all of your trust, all of your hope. So where is your hope this morning? On this Easter morning, this resurrection morning, where's your hope? Is all your hope placed in things that, you can lose, and ultimately that you will lose. If you put all your hope in money, in having enough money, if you put all your hope in your health, or in your looks, or in your job, or even in your family, or in your spouse, you know, you will lose all those things in the end. And they will all let you down in the end. And what do you have left? You know, if all your hope is invested in another person, your husband, your wife, a loved one, they will end up disappointing you because they're not God. No one and no thing can possibly meet all of your needs, your emotional needs, your physical needs, your spiritual needs, and you can't do that for anybody else either. It's an unfair expectation to put on anybody else because only God can do that. You know, my, I'm married to Suzanne. Our marriage is far from perfect, but the strength at the heart of it, the strength right at the centre of our marriage is the fact that we both put our hope first in Jesus, not in each other. And actually what that does, it strengthens our commitment to one another. It strengthens our love for one another. And it means we don't crush each other under an unrealistic weight of our own expectations. Don't put your hope in things that you can lose. Put your hope in something that will never be taken from you. 
something that is eternal and that is eternally true. Because we will all face loss in our lives. We'll all face grief in our lives. We will all face pain. And some of you are already very well acquainted with those things. How you face those things, whether they define you and crush you, or whether you, you live through and overcome with hope, really depends on where your hope is. The Apostle Paul, who I mentioned earlier, he lived through more suffering and injustice than most. And he says this, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. He is saying, get your eyes fixed on eternity. When you see your troubles in life, your difficulties in life, in the context of eternity, it doesn't make the trouble any less real. It doesn't make the pain any less painful. But it means that you live through it and your hope remains rock solid. You cannot be shaken because there is more to life than this. The resurrection of Jesus is what gives you that eternal perspective. And his resurrection gives you purpose in your life. It gives you power in your life. And it gives you a place in eternity. That is why the death and resurrection of Jesus, that's why Easter is very, very good news indeed for you. If you accept and receive those benefits for yourself. So the question is, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you get hold of this for yourself, this purpose, this power, this place? Well, Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's very clear. So the question for anybody here this morning who actually you know you don't, currently have that relationship with Jesus it might be because you've never been in this situation before you're completely new or you might have been here for years or you might have grown up among our young people and you know actually you, you don't have that relationship with him you've never made that commitment you've never had that moment where you've invited him in the question for you is this do you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead if you don't if you're not sure come to the big objections morning in a couple of weeks but if you do believe that in your heart, then the next question is, are you ready to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? Jesus Christ is Lord. That means Lord of my life. That means I submit to him. I give him control. It means I live my life for him and only him. Are you ready to put your trust and your hope in him? Are you ready to follow him in the purposes that he has for your life? Are you ready to take that step? Because that's the opportunity that I'm going to offer you now. So I'm going to ask the band if you could come back up at this point. That'd be great. So this is, this is to give you a very tangible moment, a very tangible opportunity to respond to him. It's a moment in time where if you choose to respond, you can point to this moment forever and say, that is where everything changed. That is where my life changed forever because that is where God came into my life. That's how it worked for me when I was 17. There was a moment and I knew everything had changed in my life. Everything. So this is about providing a moment of time. But as I said at the beginning, it's an invitation. It's not a compulsion. Please understand that. It's not, an, it's not a compulsion. It's an invitation. And you know what? If no one wants to respond to that invitation, that's okay. There's no pressure. I don't want anybody to respond for any other reason than that you know that God is calling you. And that actually to not respond would feel like resisting what God is doing. And by the way, you know if he is. 
you know if he's calling you because your, your heart will be pounding right now. Or God will be doing something and you know this is a significant moment for you. And I'd say if that's you, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. It will be the best thing you ever do in your whole life is to respond to Jesus and let him in.